It's the MMA Geeks C-Level Podcast with your hosts, Stan Dryav and Nick Bracha. Welcome to episode 153 of the MMA Geeks C-Level Podcast. This is your host, Stan Dryav, and my co-host, the devastating knee injury to my UFC main event, Nick John Braccia. What is up, brother man? Hello, Stan. How you doing, brother? I'm hanging in there, Nick. I'm doing okay. I'm doing a lot better than Calvin Cater uh, this evening. I think it's pretty safe to say that. Man, that sucks. Just how many of these main events that involve British fighters are going to fall through? Because of these serious injuries that, like, these inconclusive situations where we never really find out who the better fighter is. One of them goes on the shelf for months, and, uh, and the other one is, like, in this weird limbo where a title shot's not quite there, but, but they don't not deserve it. Um, weird main event last week, man. But we are going to break down UFC Fight Night Rodriguez versus Lemos coming up this weekend. A card that I think has um, higher stakes and maybe a couple of higher level prospects. Uh, a couple of bigger names. Maybe not going to be quite as exciting overall, but but a pretty good card on paper, I think. Yeah, I think there's some interesting. I think there's some interesting fights. I think the, the main event's pretty cool. Um, I'm always like D Rod versus Neil Magny is an interesting matchmaking. Yeah, it is. Given where Neil Magny is at this point in his career, um, you know, coming off of a loss, to be fair, and and D Rod arguably didn't deserve his last fight win. <sighs> You know, either like they're both in this kind of weird limbo, and we're going to see which one of them breaks through in this one. Main event, I think, is is pretty high level, man. Like it's going to be it's going to be fun. There's almost no chance that this fight's going to be boring. And then if you look down the card, you got a couple of prospects like Tagiro on Bekov, uh, Mark Metz and Grant Dawson's a pretty decent matchup. Miranda Mavericks on the card. Mario mm-hmm. Batista, I'm always a fan of. So a couple of names that are worth considering, and, and I think a couple of names that might just break through in the next year or so and become somewhat important. Uh, any quick thoughts about Cater versus Alan Nikolai? You know, it started out uh, kind of what I thought. Like Arnold Allen is extremely elusive. He's hard to hit. He's got terrific defense, um, and he hit. He touches his opponent. It's very simple. He touches his opponents more than his opponents touch him. Um, he's a he has a really high fight IQ. He's an athletic guy, and he does not really get into. Uh, you know, he does not fight with reckless abandon. Um, and I think that was a, like his approach was a good one to beat Calvin Cater over five rounds. Uh, it looked to me just based on the um, how that first I think round that going? I think Cater was throwing it like like it was landing at like twenty five percent, which I believe is far less than what he how he usually lands um, before you know before he got injured. I feel bad that he went out there for the second round. You know, I mean Arnold knew to just go after the leg. Um, and I'm sure he didn't want to. It was very much a sweep the leg moment. And, um, you know, but Cater wanted to go out on a shield. He went out on a shield. Yeah, Cater's so, a tough sat, dude. You know, he's a tough dude, and he's a really, he's a, he's a really ter- you know, he's a really terrific fighter. He's a, I, don't, I don't know how he would do in, in professional boxing, um, but he's got, you know, he's got fast, good hands. And, um, but I don't, you know, what what his future is at, at 145 I just I kind of think he's in gatekeeper hell at this point if, if uh, he, yeah, you know gatekeeper to like the t- top five maybe yeah uh, we'll, I mean we'll see how long that you know we'll see how long that lasts he's not he's his style does not age well I mean he, he and I don't disagree with you taking a lot of punishment doesn't age well but I will say this if we assume that that man's going to lose every fight where he loses the first round his UFC record probably would have been like I don't know three and eight he loses almost every fucking first round. Chika Jagadze got, got, got handled damage-wise in that first round. Um, Dan Ige didn't have a great first round. Jeremy Stevens didn't have a great first round. Sabit Magomed Sharipov, who he, to be fair, lost to, didn't have a great first round. He doesn't usually come out there looking like fire early. And Arnold Allen, the question about him was, given his matchup against Sadiq Yusuf, right, would he be able to go five rounds? That's still a question to me. Right, the fact that he was faster than it him, we knew. Question. And he the, and he admitted that he's like a slow starter and builds. We knew that, right? <laughs> this decides nothing to me. Like this fight, absolutely could have gone either way. That first round gives us absolutely no information. And I felt that same way uh, about Leon Edwards versus uh, Muhammad Lo- um, 
I always forget the man's name despite his nickname, Nick. Uh, Bilal Muhammad. Bilal Muhammad, right? It's the same situation. The faster guy's going to look good early. That's just how it works, especially the faster British guy, apparently. Um, and, by the way, another fight that ended up uh, being canceled because of a weird injury situation, right? Involving Wait, a which, British which, fighter. Which uh, fight are you talking about? Edwards versus Muhammad. Um, oh, yeah. But, but, but my point is that that one round doesn't give us any information, Nikolai. Like, we've seen fights go back and forth. We've seen fights involving Bilal Muhammad go back and forth. Seen fights involving Calvin Cater go back and forth. So unfortunately, it sucks for Cater, man, because he should be. Um, do you, you know? Uh huh. Do you put any any correlation between that kind of injury and durability, though? No, because like that's a freaky, fluky thing that happened, right? Like he threw a flying knee, partially because of frustration, partially because he felt like he needed to do something because things weren't going his way early, um, and he landed weirdly on it. It's almost like he was trying to both follow him uh, as uh, as Allen kind of uh, moved laterally. To Cater's left, Cater places right foot as if he was trying to go toward that direction, right? Like coming down from that pump flying knee. Um, and his foot landed weird and it just buckled his knee. And he's the kind of guy that's not going to tap from injury. He's going to keep trying. And, and naturally, he came out there for that next round despite the fact that he was very clearly injured. But look, uh, I, don't, I don't necessarily think this is uh, like an uh, – I don't think the Max Holloway 500 strikes that he took to the head mostly – are going to be a, a, were much of a factor in his knee injury. I think it's just shit luck, man. Josh Emmett, he probably should have gotten that decision. I, I didn't mean the head. I didn't mean the the headshots. I just meant being in bat, being in battles. Could be like, for years. It, it, but. It, it, it could be. It's not like him to go through something like this. But it could be. Like again, fact is, he could have beat Arnold Allen. He could have absolutely taken the last three rounds after losing the first two. Right? Like we don't know Arnold Allen to have that kind of conditioning. We've never seen him go five rounds. With this man is going to be way stronger in rounds three, four, and five than he was in rounds one and two. So, very good chance that Calvin Cater could have won this fight, in my opinion. But, instead, he's writing a two-fight losing streak. That Josh Emmett split decision that probably should have gone his way. And then this one, man, it's rough luck. And now he's probably going to be out for a year plus with this injury. It's unfortunate, man. But I, I feel for the guy. I, I like that dude a lot. Um, I will say quickly, I think I picked up four points and you picked up two points from the last event. I had a, uh, that's, I had that's a too bad. Uh, <laughs> I had a two-pointer that hit. Um, and who was my two-pointer that hit? Um think it was by the way can, can are you sure that? i thought you lost both your two pointers because our Ar- arlovsky lost arlovsky and, definitely lost the and, other um, two pointer was um hold on i have to look at my list quick i, 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 I should i, I should have I, come in here more prepared i apologize nikolai I, I think i got more than two points um i'm seeing your right your your picks going two and three and let me see i had um i had oh roman the leads at plus 150 who just kind of yeah. wrecked Phil Halls and everywhere possible, yeah, that's, man. Jeez. I don't know about that. Um, so I he, had a win he, with... He, he well, caught him in a submission, broke his whatever, tore whatever ligament, and then knocked him no, out. No, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know about your plus 150. I don't know if... The, anyway. We, we discussed um, it uh, on the show, uh-huh. oh, and, and you mentioned that you're not sure about it, and so I, I, I told you which website to look at, and, and then you confirmed it. You can listen back to our episodes. Feel free. Just yeah, I, yeah, I guess I only picked Park and Allen. Yeah, which, by the way, Park is a solid pick, and the reason I didn't make him up until then, I would have made him earlier. I thought uh, Dustin, Dustin Jacoby could have gotten that. He, he, um, he, yeah, I mean, it was close. Like, he took bigger shots, but he landed more in those first two rounds, so it was kind of weird. But he only landed a few more in that second round. I'd like to rewatch that second round because I think that's the decider. You of picked that Chase fight. Hooper. That worked out well oh, for you. Oh, man, dude, he just got fucking smoked. But I should have seen it coming. His opponent. Um, uh, Garcia is his name uh, unless I'm wrong I don't see Steve Garcia Steve Garcia um, his, uh, Garcia right has a lot of power but he has pretty shitty durability he can get dropped pretty easily but that's not what Hooper had brings to the table and I should have maybe seen that coming Garcia's grit his his aggression really came through and Chase, Chase Hooper was not defensively ready for that shit he's not he's not weathered enough he's not experienced after enough. Ugh, after all the shit we talked Tressie and Gore actually won I know, man. That was a pretty fucking... That was the most violent guillotine. And you talked a lot I've of shit seen. against Cody Durden, and Cody Durden won, too. That oh, I, I, don't, I don't like the man, but um, but I, I was... Uh, like, I don't like the guy. Don't get me wrong. But he does have experience. He's a good wrestler, and if you don't get him out of there in that first round, he's going to make things tough on you. We, we've seen that time and again, although we've seen him get tired, too, uh, as the fight goes on. So, really, really and good Jared, job Jared Vendera fought to a decision. 
Yeah, I don't even know what to say. It was a close decision, to be fair. It was leg kicks versus basically jabs. I mean, he's had a couple of decisions before. He went to a decision with Arlovsky and Justin And arguably could have won that one, yeah. Um, Yeah, let's drop that card, Nick. That past is in the past. We're going to talk about Rodriguez. (laughs) But just Roman Deleuze, man, that was a fatality KO. Dude. And he's he's must-see TV. He's a crazy bastard. Yeah, he is, man. He's just like a large European monster of a man. And... And, like, everything just hurts when he touches you, when he pulls on a limb, when he throws a hand at you. Everything just fucking does damage. That man is something else. Like, the potential was there, and he's putting it all together, training in Vegas. I think it's doing a lot for him. And I, and I think he, he had the right kind of opponent. Um, and, and I'm glad I got to cash in not only on the two points, but on an underdog bet on him. Nick, my first pick this week. Uh, quickly, I'm going to go over our rules because I feel like I haven't talked about it too much in the Are last you, couple you weeks. Get for, you get first pick this week? I do get first pick this week. You had the first pick last week. Uh, I'm, I'm going to confirm that in a second just to be sure, but I'm fairly certain that's the case. Nick, uh, we each take turns picking fighters competing on the upcoming card. Uh, each fighter's worth a point, but if you get an underdog of plus 150 or above that scores a win for you, that's two points. You get an underdog of plus 250 or above, that's a three-pointer. Uh, Nick has scored a bunch of two-pointers. I've scored a three-pointer or two in my day, and I'm starting to catch up on these two-pointers, Nikolai. Uh, this is getting interesting. I'm still uh, There's a pretty wide gap between us. I think I'm something like 20 and a half points ahead at this point. Mm. But, uh, Nikolai, some, some two- and three-pointers will get you there. Some bad performances on my part will get you there. But more importantly, we're breaking down these fights, and, and we're giving out information, right? It's not all just about the competition. Nikolai, my first pick. What's that? The comp- nothing yeah. good. You said it's all about the competition. <laughs> I don't want to talk. I don't want to talk about it. Nick, um, for, for the record, I, I was wait. You know what? Maybe I had first pick last time, Nick. Maybe did I did. Did he? I can't remember. I'm not sure. I'm not sure now. Let me see the previous card quickly. You had Makayev. Yeah, I must have had the first pick last card. You got the first pick, man. Okay. I. Oh boy. Uh. I'm gonna go with my girl uh, Miranda Maverick to take out um, to take out Shana Young. I she's already beat her a couple of years ago, choked her out in the first round. Um, we haven't seen a lot of hey, I'm a contender performances out of out of Shana Young. Getting beat by Chase Ons, nothing to be embarrassed about. Lost to Stephanie Egger. She did beat Gina Mazzani. Gina Mazzani, I don't believe, is, not, is still in the UFC anymore. Kind of close to a 500 fighter. Meanwhile, Miranda Maverick has been has been scrapping with um, really high high, high level um, prospects <clears throat> and a couple of and a, and, a, and she's you know, she's got to win it over a vet like Jillian Robertson. Um, I think that uh, Maverick should be able to compete with her compete with Shannon Young like everywhere, and that this should be a pretty easy day at the office. Yeah, I tend to think this should be either a dominant decision or probably a submission victory. I think she won in the first round by submission. She did. She won by rear naked choke, I believe. Right. And and here's the thing. Miranda Maverick offensively is very talented. Her offensive wrestling is solid. Her top position game is pretty solid. Her striking is pretty dynamic. But defensively, she is porous in all areas. She can be taken down. She can be controlled off her back. And she can be hit. Shana Young is not the person to take advantage of that. I think this is a a pretty favorable stylistic matchup. But Shana Young is... Notably better than she was when they first fought. She's more experienced. She's been in the UFC there with her. Um, and Miranda Maverick's like, you know, one and two in her last three fights, right? Granted, uh, one of those decisions was arguable. Um, Aaron Blanchfield definitely took it to her. But Macy Barber w- w- was a debatable decision. But one and two in her last three. And coming off a win over Sabina Mazzo, like, let's see if this potential will really be realized. Let's see if Shane Young's improvements will come through for her. But I will say Shane Young makes some really terrible MMA IQ decisions like you're fighting Stephanie Egger who's a judo black belt with really good throws and submissions and you're going to keep clinching with her even though you're the better striker that's like low IQ MMA and and for that I couldn't even consider her as an underdog pick despite the fact that she'd be worth three points in our game Nick next my pick is going to be in the Benito Lopez Mario Batista matchup Mario Batista is a just relentless offensive pressure fighter. We've seen him look human here and there, right? Against Trevin Jones after dominating the first round, he got he got clocked, and Trevin Jones has done that to a couple of guys. Corey Sanhagen, who's kind of thrown around until Sanhagen caught that armbar. That was in a short notice UFC debut against Sanhagen, who's now a top you know three or four fighter in the division, um, coming off of wins over Jay Perrin and Brian Kelliger. Brian Kelliger, first round submission, man, that's impressive stuff. Benito Lopez is just like a wild man; he just throws everything and anything, and Kind of a, a generalist, right? No real serious strengths, but he trains with Team Alpha Male. He's been out for years. Is he much better? Is he super rusty? The last time that he took a sh- uh, uh, took a long layoff and then had a fight against Manny Bermudez, 
got guillotine choked in the first round. I think Mario Batista has a decent chance at a submission here, a finish in general. I, I like Batista. There's a chance Benito Lopez survives early and then kind of comes on strong because he's a scrappy guy who never loses heart. But uh, I, I like Batista here. I don't think Lopez can hurt him enough. Yeah, I agree. I agree with the pick. Uh, I'm going to go with what I believe is, could it be the, is it the biggest underdog? Uh, or the, rather, the, the, you know, it's not the biggest discrepancy, but um, I'm going to go with Jake Hadley over Carlos uh, Candelario. Candelario has not impressed me in the Contender Series or in his debut. Hadley, if I recall, is, is a pretty good talker, pretty entertaining English guy. Nick, you, you didn't just go for a, for an underdog, you went for the favorite. I went for the favorite. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was. I thought. I thought that I was picking the the fight with the biggest odds discrepancy, but I'm, got it, got but it. I'm not. No, that was I already, I already picked that. Sure. Yeah, yeah. Yep. And this is like maybe the third biggest discrepancy. And um, mm -hmm. so I'm going with Jake Hadley, uh, the UK fighter, the the favorite. I think the UFC wants. They're always looking to build UK stars. I think they're giving him a fight that is extremely winnable for him because they want the, they want this kid on the mic. To be honest, Nick, for two points, I would have probably gone with. Uh, I would have probably gone the other way on this one. Uh, Carlos Candelario, like, you know, on paper it doesn't look incredible, but if you look a little bit deeper into his record, it's not bad. It's not great. It's not like, you know, high-level UFC type shit. But the guy does bring some decent things to the table. He uh, had his Contender Series debut, won that fight by decision. Dana didn't pick him, probably only because it was a decision. Had a comeback on two weeks' notice on Contender Series. Ended up fighting to a goddamned war, Candelario did, um, and arguably won the first two rounds. The only fighter that I can think of in contender series history who got into the UFC after a loss because Dana believed he won those first two rounds on two weeks' notice against Victor Altamirano, who's a pretty decent UFC fighter and has shown himself to be pretty solid so far. He did lose to Tatsura Tyra, but he's in like a really good grappler, like dominates everyone on the floor. And to uh, Candelario's record, he survived. Um, Canario was like really aggressive with his hands. He'll go for takedowns. Jake Hadley doesn't have the best takedown defense. Jake Hadley's really offensive, really aggressive. He's dangerous. But for two points, I, I would take a rider on Carlos Candelario, even though Jake Hadley on paper looks like he's got star potential, uh, has some regional titles and all that, right? He's the one that's coming into this with all the, all the glory behind him. I think he's even got a Bellator win in 2019. Uh, but I, I would have probably gone with Candelario just because he's worth two points, and I think he's a, he's a pretty talented guy at that price. My next pick is going to be in the matchup between Marina Rodriguez and Amanda Lemos. I'm diving into that main event, Nikolai. So here's the thing. Amanda Lemos, super, super athletic. She's explosive. She's got speed. She's got power. She's got snap in her punches on top of having natural power. She's also a really opportunistic submission uh, fighter, right, where she's got a couple of those... Uh, submissions in the UFC like her last fight against Michelle Watterson after a competitive first round which I thought she did pretty well grabs a guillotine man while Michelle shoots for, for a takedown finishes the guillotine Nick that's impressive stuff on an on a experienced gritty veteran like Michelle Watterson she also tried a guillotine against Angela Hill in a similar fashion Angela Hill crafted out of it and she was okay uh, but she did the same thing earlier in her UFC career against Miranda Granger just out of nowhere grabbed a uh, a submission um, where she was kind of physically dominating her, to be fair. So there are avenues for her to win. And you know what? Marina Rodriguez did survive against Mackenzie Dern. But, man, the kind of explosiveness and power that Lemos brings to the table, I, I, like, I don't know how that's going to go. So here's the thing, though. Marina Rodriguez, we've seen her get dominated in rounds and still win fights. We've seen her get dominated in rounds and still go to a draw with a girl because she did so well in those other two rounds that one round in which she's on her back the entire time ends up uh, ends up being worth two points she still wins those kinds of decisions right her only loss in her career Nikolai is to current champ Carlos Barza and that was a debatable loss that she probably should have won um, here's the thing early on Amanda Lemos is going to land she's going to let Ryan aggressively she's got better punch mechanics even though Marina Rodriguez is known as a Muay Thai fighter her hands are not that great there's that classic Muay Thai thing where the hands aren't awesome. The kicks are pretty good. Those knees, that tie clinch is pretty fucking solid. And we saw Lemos lose in essentially the clinch by arm triangle choke uh, in her one, in her you know recent loss to Jessica Andrade. Now, do I think that the same kind of danger exists with Rodriguez? Absolutely not. But what I do think is going to happen, and Lemos is going to win the first round. She's probably going to win that second round. By the time the third, and maybe the, toward the end of that second round, 
Maria Rodriguez starts to make an imprint, right? She's willing to take shots to land shots. And she might get dropped even in the first or second round. That's possible. She might get taken down and controlled. That's entirely possible. Um, while I'm concerned about like the submission threat there, I'm going to go with uh, Marina Rodriguez, who I think gets stronger over the course of a fight. And Amanda Lemos has shown that she slows down over the course of the fight, right? We've seen that more technical fighters like Yao Ninjian, um, Zhao Ninian can look really good. She arguably should have lost her last fight, Marina Rodriguez, right? Yan was kind of out striking her, like piecing her up standing for, for a good portion of that fight for at least those first couple of rounds. Uh, Amanda Lemos has the potential to do that, but this is a three-round fight. Rodriguez is going to be hell on wheels in that fourth and fifth round. She's going to be likely to finish uh, Amanda Lemos in that fourth and fifth round, even if she looks shitty in the first couple of rounds. Excited about this one, but I'm going with the, uh, w- with the person with the most momentum. I'm going with the favorite in Marina Rodriguez. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree with your pick. I think uh, I, I also just think she's got a deeper, wilder like will to win. I just there's there there's something that similar to like where uh, Oliveira was for a while. Where I don't know, she just she seems like someone on a mission. Yeah, she she kind of reminds me more of a Tony Ferguson in that she usually loses early. Uh, Oliveira's not a bad comparison because he goes through that too. But she has a Tony Ferguson element where like she loses early. But she just keeps throwing straight shots at you, keeps moving forward, and eventually just overwhelms you. You just don't want to be there anymore. She kind of has that effect on people, where she's not super athletic, not super fast, but she could just overwhelm you with offense. Um, yeah, look, I'm, again, fascinated by this matchup, but I think, I think both these women, like Mendel Emosh, man, athleticism-wise, she's at the top of that division, man. There's nobody more athletic than her at 115. There's nobody more explosive, nobody faster than her. Nobody hits harder than her in this division. So she has so many of these variables that honestly are enough to make you champion in many divisions if she can get this win get another fight or two at the highest level of five rounder dude she can absolutely be she's championship material she's not young she's like 34 35 but she's really really dangerous so this is a risky pick this early what you got next i agree i'm gonna go i'm gonna pick a fight that i have no interest in watching um i'm gonna take joss parisian uh assuming that at some point in the fight he's gonna get top control and be able to pound out or choke Chase Sherman. You're 20 points behind, and you think, I'm going to go ahead and pick a heavyweight fight that it doesn't even belong on a Bellator card skill-wise. I'm going to go ahead and trust in these two jackals uh, to, to act in a predictable way. Crazy talk, Nikolai. Why in the world would you make it so early? Um, I, I like Chase Sherman, Chase Sherman by a small margin on this one. You picked Josh Parisian in his UFC debut against Parker Porter, and I thought that was crazy talk. Uh, that was crazy away, talk. You took an opportunity away from me to make three points on that one if I had picked it. So it would have been that for, much further ahead if you, uh, if you didn't grab it from me first. But um, I, I'm going to add Chase Sherman because it's a similar style matchup to uh, his last matchup against Jared Vandera, this plotting heavyweight who can be trouble if he's on top. But outside of that, like... You know he'll try. I he'll, I, oh, I I don't know. I think Josh Parisian is a little bit more adept at getting the fight to the ground than Vandera is. But uh, he hasn't shown that so far in the UFC. I don't think. Um, yeah, I, I, I like I like Jake Sherman in this one. Not confidently at all. I mean, like Josh Parisian got dominated by Alan Badeau in the first round, and then took him down in the second round, submitted him. But Alan Badeau, like he looks good early, and then he falls apart. Right? That's just how he fights. Roque Martinez, a split decision. Guy's not in the in, even in the UFC anymore. Um, I'm gonna go with Chase Sherman, who trains with a high level team, trains with uh, Sanford MMA. Um, and granted, he's one. And let me see, he is two and five in his last seven fights in the UFC. No, I shouldn't say two and five. Two and four in his last uh, six UFC fights, and his wins are over Jared Vandera and Ike Villanueva. These are jobbers. Josh Parisian is a jobber. He doesn't fall into the Jake Collier, Parker Porter, Andre Olovsky, Alexander Romanov league, right? Where, granted, they're in separate leagues, those guys. But, but like, j- that's not Parisian to me. So I, I disagree with the pick, but not super confidently. Nikolai, my next pick, and again, I'm surprised you picked this so early. How could you trust these motherfuckers? My next pick is going to be the matchup between Ludovic uh, Sholinian and Johnny Munoz. I think that Johnny Munoz is a good offensive grappler. He's establishing a jab. He's pretty snappy and fast. He's got really good submissions on top of having well-timed takedowns. And he's fighting Ludovic uh, Shalin, who's an ultimate fighter guy, lost to, um, uh, to Ricky Tertio or Tervacious, whatever that guy's name is, on, on tough. But I think he ended up winning that tough title. Um, and then lost his UFC debut to Jack Shore, who's like a scary human being that you never want to mess with. I thought there might be a two-point opportunity here. I didn't think so after watching the footage. I think Johnny Munoz, as much as the stand-up could be competitive maybe, I think Johnny Munoz has higher-level experience. He has more maturity. His 
takedowns are going to be solid, although Shellinian has shown good takedown defense against somebody not named Jack Shore. Um, so I, I'm going to go with Johnny Munoz. There's a chance he could score a finisher, I think, if he overwhelms him over a couple of rounds. He's a guy that I think has a 1-2 and two UFC record. That should be 2-1 and because he arguably beat Nate Manis in, uh, in, a, in I think maybe both of their UFC debuts. Um, not uber confident in this one because it's hard to trust this level of, uh, of, uh, of guys, but I'm going to go with Munoz over Sholinian. Cool. I mean, the rest of the fights really feel like heavy pickems to me, but I'm going to go with... This is a tricky one. I'm going pick it as an undefeated fighter, but I'm going to go with um, Grant Dawson uh, to beat Mark Madsen. Uh, what worries me is third-round Madsen is not the best Madsen by a long shot, and Dawson has a lot of second- and third-round finishes. He is a tenacious motherfucker, and if Mark Madsen starts to gas, Grant Dawson's going to smell blood like Bilal Muhammad looking at Sean Brady. Um, so I think this is going to be interesting. I could see Madsen winning the first round for sure. Um, but I feel like Grant Dawson is, um, a tenacious enough fighter to give him his, uh, first loss. Yeah, it's, it's entirely possible. I actually saw this as a potential underdog pick. If I was you, I'd probably have gone with Madsen because. Yeah, but that's because you'd still be trying to catch up where I'm just trying to mitigate the embarrassment. Fair. I think that's crazy talk. Like, like fucking catch up that should be your goal why the fuck not catch up what what would mitigate the embarrassment more what what are you going to lose 25 by 25 points and like you're going to like why not try and lose by 14 points you know what i'm saying make up those points so i'm saying but anyway i am when i well you i do pick underdog fights when i have i know i don't i know you do that's i i i think mark mad i don't have confidence in mark madsen in this in the third round of this fight no, I do and hear not, that. And he's not, and he's not much of a finisher, and and, Glenn, and um, oh, Grant yeah, Dawson's heart machine. is not easy to finish. Yeah, no, no doubt. And here's, but by the way, he does have a win over Danilo uh, Belluardo um, in the first round in his UFC, maybe his second UFC fight. And oh wait, Belluardo's not who I thought he was. Never mind, a different Brazilian. I, I mixed up Brazilians, Nikolai. What are you gonna do? So I agree with you. Matson's not a finisher. He's actually, a, he's actually Italian. Um, Danilo um, Belluardo. I should have known that. I should have known not to just throw that shit out there, assuming that he's a Brazilian man because he kind of looks Brazilian, and Danilo is a name that I associate with Brazilians more than Italians. Nikolai. Um, the reason that I probably would have gone for that two-pointer is because this fight probably going to be close. Grant Dawson really, really impressed me uh, against Jared Gordon his last time out. Like, Jared Gordon yeah. is a fucking... He's a really good fighter, dude. He's a really experienced fighter. He's a gritty pressure fighter. Great takedown defense. Dude, he fucking submitted him in the third round where Jared Gordon usually has his best moments is in the third round of his fights, even if he's losing a round or two leading up to that. So really impressive stuff, man. I think the last person to finish Jared Gordon was former champ Oliveira. I'm going to quickly double check. Yes, Oliveira was the last guy to finish him. Um, and you know what? Now that I look at it, it's really the very dangerous guys that that uh, that, that, that have uh, that give trouble to Jared Gordon. Um I think that uh, you're probably right. All else being the same, I would have gone with Grant Dawson. Um, but there's a chance that he would give up takedowns, several takedowns. I know he's the type of guy to make him work and make him tired, Matson, right? Uh, whereas Matson looked pretty decent. He's, he's learning how to fight through tired, which is an important thing that I always talk about. You can put out just as much energy when you're exhausted. It just takes way more effort. And Matson seems to be dialing into that a little bit. Rafa Fazeev is a great example of that. He goes 100% until he can't. And then when he's exhausted, he just goes 98%. Even though super, he's super exhausted, he should probably be going 50%, right? Like, you can do oh. that. That's, uh-huh. Well, the other thing is, like, even though he's 38, Madsen has only got four UFC fights, and he hasn't... I don't believe, no, no disrespect to older Clay Guida, Austin Hubbard, or, 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 or Vince Pichel, but I don't think he's fucked with a Grant Dawson-level guy yet. And Grant Dawson's on, a, like, a nine-fight winning UFC winning streak. Well, no, there's a draw in there, but a not okay. A nine-fight undefeated streak in the UFC against against some tough dudes. I just, I, I it's Madsen's ceiling is unclear, is unclear to me. I just feel like Dawson is um, a more known a more known quantity, younger, has more UFC experience, and has fought better competition. Um, definitely fought overall better competition. The Leonardo Santos fight is really what concerns me, man. He was kind of getting beat by Leonardo Santos, who doesn't look good for two-plus rounds against anyone. And he had to literally knock him out on the very last second of a three-round fight. 4.15 out of the third round, Nick. Right? That's concerning. Ricky Glenn, good fighter. To go to a, a, a draw with him, arguably should have lost that fight, right? Like, these are these are kind of concerning, yeah, but, concerning but didn't things. didn't you see uh-huh. him break... The, I think the psychological component 
that was holding him back in those fights, Glenn in particular. Uh-huh. I feel like we watched him break, like sometimes fighters just break through a wall, and I felt like in the Gordon fight he broke through something. Well, he didn't like have he, trouble I, in the Gordon fight. Gordon basically, like, he I don't know if Gordon was fucking, had had was sick, had flu or something, but he just dominated Gordon, which is impressive, but he didn't have to fight through tough moments. I'm not sure well, that he, he will had, in this matchup. He had to, push, he had to push for the fit. I felt like he had to push for the finish, but... Um, I, th- I, th- I, th- I could have sworn that he was pretty well ahead where, like... Oh, he was the, well he was, the, oh, he was well ahead. The finish was but... nice, but it wasn't, like, needed. Uh, it but it was impressive needed. that he went for it, and impressive that he got it. Um, yeah, look, I... I, I all else being the same, I agree with you. Officially, I'm picking Grant Dawson. But for two points, Marco Matson's somebody to consider. My next pick mm-hmm. is going to be... This is where things get tougher for me. I think I'm going to go for a two-pointer in the matchup between Shavalin, Norbeki, and Derek Minner. Derek Minner's been training with James Krause. He's been looking more mature. He's able to go through a three-rounder unless, you know, against lower-level competition if he needs to. Whereas he's known for just like going 100% nonstop for a round. And then if he doesn't finish you, he's exhausted and a good fighter will take over and, and dominate and finish him, right? Training with who he's training with uh, under, excuse me, James Krause uh, with a room full of pretty solid, talented guys. Um, I'm sure James Krause is like working with him on that specifically. And he's also fighting a guy who, even though he's the favorite, like not really, I'm not convinced that he's that great of a fighter. Um, if you if you look at his record, thirty seven and ten, not exactly something to write home about, right? He lost to Joshua Kulabau, who's a really good fighter, but he got like pieced up by Kulabau. He lost to Zhu Rong uh, in twenty twenty by TKO in the first round. He lost by submission in twenty nineteen to some random guy named Allison Barbosa, who now has a record of eighteen and eighteen. Not not a not a horrible record, but this was two thousand nineteen. This was just before the pandemic that he was that he was getting submitted by a guy like that. Do I think Derek Minner can catch a guillotine in the first round? Yeah, I think he can. Now, betting-wise, I would probably take Minner at plus 350 by submission or Minner inside the distance gets you something close to that amount. It's probably Minner inside the distance is the way to go um, because if he's winning, it's probably going to be by finish. Uh, but outside of that, you know, Shailen can just survive the first round and take over from there. Probably going to be a decision in that case, so maybe consider sprinkling on something on him by decision, kind of a kind of a, a double hedge bet, both plus money. As long as you kind of put it, it uh, place that bet correctly, those two bets correctly, you can make it so that if Derek Minner wins, you get a nice profit, and if he loses, as long as it's by decision, you're going to kind of even out. Um, so Derek Minner by two points. I'm going to take a shot on him. I appreciate, uh, you know, I appreciate your your confidence and lack lack of risk aversion. Um, not a whole heck of a lot left that's e- that's easy to pick. Um, oh, fuck it. I think she's the underdog, but I'm going to go with my girl Ginny Frey over Pollyanna Viana. Um, I don't think a lot of people are picking Frey. I thought she deserved uh, the victory in her last fight against uh, Vanessa Demopoulos. I did too. Um, and she had a couple of good a couple of good wins before that. Feels like she's um, you know, she's using her jab a, a bit better now. I mean, she's never, I don't think, going you know, to be a real contender uh, at this weight class. Um, I think she was. she's a natural atom weight, um, and she didn't really thicken up the way that Michelle Watterson has with muscle when she, when she moved up. Um, Michelle Watterson doesn't really look and feel that undersized for the, um, you know, for the division at this point. Pollyanna Vanna has had a really mixed... Uh, you know, UFC tour. I mean, she lost to Hannah Siffers, which is not good. She lost to JJ Aldrich. Um, but she picked up a couple of wins against Whitmire and Mallory Martin. Um, but I think that, like, Frey is, a, Frey is a wily veteran. And even though she doesn't have the reach advantage here, I could see her, um, you know, I could see her keeping, keeping Vienna off of her and kind of just, like, slowly chipping away to win a decision. Yeah, um, I mean, at this point, it's 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 hard to it's hard to blame you for making like this pick. That's really hard to pick from. Junior Frazier is the slight dog. I like Viana here. I, like if Viana's on her game, she looks really good. What concerns me about Frazier is her low output, right? Like she could just stand there in front of you as you as you maybe miss shots or she blocks shots. She'll just keep standing there for long periods of time. She's worked on that. She's up there in age for this weight division. It's not a great sign. Viana, by the way, there's. Um, because Bolsonaro lost in Brazil, there's a trucker rally because that's what uh, people on the right do now when an election doesn't go their way, apparently. And so, and so, uh, 
you know, Viana, I don't know if she's been able to get out of Brazil. And I know a few fighters have had this issue. So I wonder if this fight will actually end up happening. Um, maybe I should look at her Instagram. Yeah, Lamo, if I recall, uh, I read, I think, that Lemos had got delayed and had to deal with some stuff. But I think Lemos got to Vegas. That's a good sign. Okay, great. The, the, th- thank you for that. I actually didn't know that update. Um, Nikolai, I, I, I disagree. I'm going to give Pollyanna Viana the edge. I think she can catch an arbor off her back. I think she has some power standing, and she could do some damage potentially there, even though Junior Frey should be the better stand-up fighter. I could see Junior Frey just keeping this on the feet, like you basically said. Wow, that's uh, really distracting to look at Pollyanna Viana's Instagram while recording this. Uh, that is very, very... I, I have to avert my eyes. Uh, Nick? Um, You're married, think- man. I am. A, I'm a happily married man. I, I'm. I'm going to go ahead and take uh, Paul Indiana, but with you know very little confidence. Hard to be confident in fighters like this who, who have the skills to win a lot of the fights they've lost, but they just shut the bed. Um, next up, I'm going to go. See, I'm trying to decide between an underdog, bet, and we're going with the favorite. I guess I'm going to. I guess I'll edge to Gear over Nate Manis. even though Nate Manis is worth two points, and I think it might be worth the investment. I just feel like Olambekov should be able to get takedowns, and. Nate Maness can get stuck on his back, and Nate Maness is coming off a loss to Tugger Olenbekov's much, much better uh, training partner, um, Umar uh, Nurmagomedov, at a higher weight division, right? Nate Maness making his flyweight debut here, partially depending on how he looks at the way in. I might go his way. I might change this pick. Um, I just, like, Tugger is used to fighting much smaller men, and Nate Maness is not a smaller man. He might be a little taller, if anything, right? Nate Maness has more firepower in the hands. Tugger just kind of, like, throws pitter-patter straight punches and... and Partially holds for the best. Occasionally throws kicks, which can be effective. His takedowns are good. Not the greatest control, not the greatest grappling. He doesn't, he's not that Dagestani level, just super strength, just either overwhelm you with creative, unorthodox, explosive strikes, or just drag you down with pure power and, and Dagestani wrestling. He doesn't have like that strength, that explosiveness that a lot of these guys have. And so I'm not a huge believer in him. And maybe I should take the flyer on um, Nate Manis, but I'll watch the weigh-in first and make my decision. For now, for the purposes uh, of, of this show, I'm taking Tagir Ulanbekov by a very, very slow mar- uh, small margin. Yeah, you were hard on him in his last fight, I remember. Dude, he, um, he honestly didn't deserve his last couple of fights. He's like barely deserved it, if anything. And he's not fighting like, the elite him. of the elite. So this next one's tricky because we're dealing with the wily veteran, Neil Magny, um, and what he's been able to do over the last several years against a guy that's, I, th- I think, a good deal younger. I have to look up exactly how much. Daniel Rodriguez is not that young. They should be pretty close in age, I would think. I thought D-Rod was in his 20s still. Oh, no, he's 35. Am I th- yeah. Okay. Yeah, he's up. There. Holy cow. I don't know why... I don't is know he why even I thought... Is he... Um, Neil Magny's a little bit older than him, right? He's 30. Yeah, 30. They're the same fucking age. Let's see who's older. Age three versus... What's his birthday? Twelve thirty-one. Uh, D. Rod is younger by literally a couple months. Yeah, well, he's a t- he's a tough dude, and he can punch. The question is, with all of the fights that he's had, being you know like, apparently on the juice and then off the off the juice or the gas, as they say, is we know Magny doesn't have power, um, but he's tenacious. He's got you know he can stall you and beat you up in dirty box on the cage, but he can wrap you up and take you down and keep you there and he does that with a lot of people but when you're dealing with uh, uh does he still have um the durability the strength the that sort of like um just like sa- just savviness um to dr- to drag the to drag this guy down because if there's one thing neil magny does it's eat shots he's he we watched him eat a lot of shots over the last five years and he can usually take them and he can sometimes come back from him but if he cannot, I believe that if he can't get Rodriguez down, um, you know he's gonna he's gonna eat a lot of shots, and he could get caught. He could get caught up, get punched, and get caught up against the cage, um, and eat a barrage. We've seen Neil. You know Neil's plan isn't working. It never worked with like you know top five fighters, uh, but we're seeing him have more trouble with like top eight to twelve fighters. I think he's had a lot of close fights, quite some questionable decisions. And I just don't know if it's like law of diminishing returns with his bag of tricks. Um, so as much as I've enjoyed Neil Magny, I'm a fan of his. Um, I think the buck stops with, with D-Rod here and that, that D-Rod's power um, is, uh, you know, is kryptonite for Magny's um, sort of, you know, awkward, uh, unconventional style. I can't hear you. You must be, you must be muted or something. 
Sorry, I was muted. Um, D-Rod, that's the thing, is that he does have that power. He has good takedown defense. Um, but, like, if you look at his power, it hasn't really translated in his last five fights. He's got no knockdowns. I'm not sure if he's rocked Mike Perry. Uh, he did. I'm sorry. He, he knocked out Preston Parsons, but somehow it's not listed as a knockdown. Um, but, you know, Kevin Lee, he, he, he wasn't able to really hurt that way, although he outlanded him, like, 2-1, to one, which is impressive. Lands 88 strikes against uh, Li Jing Lang, 120 against Kevin Lee, um, only 45, but in barely over a half a round in that first round win over Preston Parsons, right? 129 strikes against Mike Perry. This dude has high fucking output, 175 strikes against Gabe Green in his third UFC fight. Um, so the, or maybe his second UFC fight, excuse me. So dude has extremely high output, right? If you look at Neil Magny, output's not quite the same, even though he's known as, as kind of a high output high pressure fighter he he really like it seems like his game is centered around the clinch right he's not that great standing and you could pressure him if you've got uh some power in your hands and or a serious leg kick and or a serious takedown and good grappling if you have any one of these things and you use them well you can beat neil magni is what we've learned is what we've been seeing right he's got dominated by shafkat Romanov, who's a really good grappler he got um, dropped by Max Griffin and outworked in that second round uh, against Max Griffin, even though he somehow got the decision. Joff Neal, he did get that decision. He outlanded him 55 to 35, right? Like, not the highest output in the world, and he did get a couple of takedowns. The thing is that with him, um, if you're on top of him and you're a good grappler, you can dominate. If you're standing and you're explosive or have a leg kick, you can do well. And the clinch is where he gets people exhausted, right? You get into the clinch with him, and you're probably thinking, oh, he's not that strong. I could do some shit here. And then, like, the time clicks away and your shoulders are getting tired and he keeps you there. He just doesn't let you get out of there. And before you know it, he's now getting takedowns on you because you're exhausted in the clinch. You're not able to throw with the same kind of power because your shoulders are tired from, from pummeling with him. And that's kind of how he wins a lot of these fights. And this being a three-rounder, I like Daniel Rodriguez. He looked, you know, not awesome in the third round of his last fight. You know, he arguably should have lost his last fight, but he took it on several weeks' notice. The opponent switched up on him last minute on several weeks, you know, on, on literally a day or two notice. That part was mutual, of course, but Li Jing Liang trained for Tony Ferguson, I believe, longer than, uh, than Daniel Rodriguez got to train for, uh, <coughs> excuse me, he was originally supposed to fight Kevin Holland. So uh, I agree with you on Daniel Rodriguez. I think Neil Magny, uh, his durability is starting to wane. You alluded to it. He's not as durable. He can't take the same kind of shots as he used to, and... He's getting dropped more and more often. He's looking worse and worse in some of these fights. Guy's getting up there in age. By the way, D-Rod, um, eight or nine, about eight months older than is uh, than is Neil Magny because he was born in '86 and Neil Magny's '87. So uh, you know his birthday just hasn't happened yet. He's about to turn 36 this year. So um, Nikolai, I, I agree with you. D-Rod is the man to pick in this uh, situation. Hard to rely on Neil Magny, but Neil Magny, man, if he grabs that clinch and keeps him in there, if he's able to get takedowns. Um, he can smother him and just put weight on him, making him comfortable. Just requires him to be the Neil Magny from a couple years ago, and I'm not sure that he's there anymore. My last pick um, is going to be in the Romana Pascal Tamiros Vidal matchup. Uh, Vidal is pretty terrible, and I'm kind of surprised she's in the UFC. I don't really think she belongs here. And Pascal is coming down to 135 from 145. It hasn't looked awesome, hasn't looked fast, which is not going to be helpful in, in this lighter weight division, right? She's only going to look kind of slower in comparison to some of these girls at 135. Um, but she did lose to uh, Jos Josiane Nunes, who's a knockout artist who hits incredibly hard. Um, wasn't wasn't dropped by her. Maybe she was dropped by her, but survived it. Justin Edwards put some serious numbers on her. Girl came to work that day, and even though you know it was hard for Pascal to compete, she had some moments. She landed some big shots. I think she rocked her or dropped her at one point, um, and she never stopped trying. Right, so these are good signs. Somebody with UFC experience going against somebody like Tamiros Vidal, who. Like, if you look at footage of her, she just, like, does not look good. Like, what? Like, what? Like she won um, a, a fight uh, basically because her opponent threw an illegal knee in 2021 against Lynn Perez. Lynn Perez was dominating that fight. And then she picked up a win over Quella Braga uh, in LFA and, and was picked up by the UFC. I just think she's not on that level. And so Pascal is going to be another underdog that I'm recommending on this card. Nick, I think that makes it... Uh, Quite a, quite a few underdogs. We got Daniel Rodriguez, who recommend he's plus 100 right now, plus money. Romana Pascal, plus 120. Granted, I, I realize Daniel Rodriguez is a pick but he's not the minus 110 that Magni is. Um, Nate Manis is somebody to seriously consider as an underdog. I think that 
Um, Derek Minner, somebody to seriously consider as an underdog. Mark Matson, something to consider potentially here. Um, these underdogs, you don't want really want to bet in parlays unless you place each of them in a parlay with somebody that you're super confident in to make those odds even better, right? That plus 200 line will go up to like plus 250, uh, plus 280, plus 350, depending on who you pair them up with. Um, but I wouldn't like put them into any multi-fight parlays because it's hard to rely on these underdogs to come through. Um, I, I like... Carlos Candelario is the underdog that I'm most confident in, that I think everybody should should drop some money on. It's probably going to go to decision against Jake Hadley, and I like his chances of winning. Um, and you can get him by decision, something like plus 375, even though he's plus 215 at regular odds, Nick. Um, I'm seeing some opportunities in this one, but again, it's hard to f- trust these like lower-level fighters, man. Can't do it. You feel good about uh, your picks? Eh, I feel okay. I'm, really, I'm excited for next week, though. Um, it's a big pay-per-view, man. I am, I am too. I know you've, you've been hinting that you expect Israel Adesanya will walk away without his middleweight belt strapped onto his uh, waist, Nikolai. It would, sure right? make for, it would sure make for good TV. But, you know, if he, if he knocks out his demon the way, you know, the way that Rampage did after, after getting owned by Vanderlei a couple of times, um, I, you know, I wouldn't be surprised. You know, I wouldn't be surprised. Like, Adesanya is obviously going to be looking out for the left hook and... Um, but Pereira is a big, mean, nasty dude, and he ain't going anywhere. Like so, um, it's gonna be exciting. We got we got Carlos Barza against Wei Li Zhang. That's gonna I think is pretty interesting. We got the uh, the fans made event. Dustin Poirier, Michael Chandler. Let's um, go. That'll be exciting. I, you know, and this is in New York. This card. We got Frankie Edgar's retirement fight against Chris Gutierrez. Um, which Dan Hooker, is, Claudio Puelas yeah. is an issue. Oh, Claudio Puelas is who I thought. That Danilo guy was Claudio yeah. Pulido is actually a pretty pretty good fighter. Moicano versus Brad Riddell is a great fight. Dominic Reyes is coming back finally against Ryan Spann. Aaron Branchfield versus Molly McCann, two prospects on the horizon. Surprised they gave McCann somebody as tough as Blanchfield. Uh, well, they're giving off. no no. They're giving her someone as touch as tough as Blanchfield in New York. They're not going to give her Blanchfield in Manchester. Still, I thought I thought they saw real. Um, Real star power in her, I thought, and and I and I would think they see that as potentially tra- like going past just England. Like she has star potential. She's charismatic. She's exciting. Right? If you mm-hmm. match her up right, um, it, it could work out well. And then you have um, Petrovsky, Wellington, Terman, low level fight. Yeah, yeah. Your boy Azatar, Wellington, Terman. You were I'm a big a, fan. I, I, were... I was. I, I liked what I saw early in his UFC career, man. Or even on the tape leading up to that, Matt Favola versus Isatar. That's you know what I'm intrigued by. It. I know it's a, they reset this match. And outside of that, um, Julio Ars. I was like Julio Ars facing off with Maltel Jackson. Very intrigued by that. I'm very curious what the line is on that. And then oh, Israel- I didn't even realize this. Superboy's back. Uh, is it uh, Sung Woo Choi? Let me oh, wait, see. yeah, Su- yeah, but he changed his name. Sung Sung Woo Choi is is Superboy, isn't he? Um, so the, oh, no, I might, it might be, no, no, I might be no, looking no, different. At the, oh, I'm looking at the wrong guy. Oops. Yeah, it's also actually <laughs> might, might actually be the same uh, decision. But no, you're, you're talking about Sungwoo Choi, who who uh, who just lost to Joshua Kulaban and Alex, Alex Caceres, who looked like a world beater for a little while there with wins over Rosa and Yusuf Zalal. So so Nick, yeah, look, some some definitely some good stuff to dive into. I'm I'm fascinated by the Israel Asanya Alex Pereira matchup. I think the difference between Vanderlei and Rampage is that Vanderlei was way past his prime and his chin was ruined by the time they fought the third time. I was just trying to think of guy a guy that had somebody's number. No, twice. it's no, it it is reasonable. Your your, your suggestion that like it's a similar dynamic in a few ways it is. Um, and then Vanderlei Silva has all that MMA experience, and Alex Pereira has almost none. Seven fights in MMA experience to twenty four fights, right? But the question is, will Israel Adesanya use yeah. some of those non kickboxing shit that he's learned but barely used over the years against Alex Pereira? Well, I mean, Bruno Silva tried it a little bit. Like, pay. I mean, it, it's listen. It's worth noting that, that Alex Pejia's road to this title fight did not include Kelvin Gastelum. Did not include. Oh yeah. Uh, Marvin Vittori did not include oh, Robert six. Whitaker. Did not yep. include. Um, uh, oh my god. I'm <laughs> he was a shoe in because the UFC thought that he would be a great candidate. To yeah. make an interesting pay-per-view headliner against Israel Adesanya, I wonder if the buzz is really out there outside of the MMA, like uh, the the hardcore fans. I could see like some casuals talking about, "Oh, is it true that Adesanya got knocked out by him?" And they would say something like, "Got knocked out by him twice, and now they're fighting him," like that kind of thing. Like, there's I a story, see story yeah. being intrigued. Absolutely, yeah. Um, and then Carlos Barza, Willie Zhang, like uh, super looking forward to that. Listen, I, they got I hope, they, uh-huh. they got out of they're getting out of Pahaya what they wanted to get out of Joe Duffy. 
I guess, geez, Joe Duffy. I, I guess so, but Bahia Man has got a lot more serious, like badass credentials, Jen, than Joe Duffy ever yes. ever could have, as as we've learned Beh- to find out. Bahia Man's is- a real fucking hard man. He is shit, dude. He's a scary individual, Alex Pereira. He really. He's also a six four. I think if we see him and Israel standing in front of each other, it's going to look like Alex Pereira six six. He's somehow the same height as some of these guys, but he towers over them. He looks, he looks like a light heavyweight, man. Yes, and it's all muscle, Nick. There's not a hint of flab off season on season on fight time in training camps he just looks shredded and it looks like heavy dense fast switch muscle fibers Nick. It's, he's he's a special he's coming, kind of athlete he's coming for adesanya man i am fascinated and intrigued i cannot wait to see what happens next week but in the meantime nick let me quickly run down our picks for this one your first pick was miranda maverick second you look uh you took jake hadley third pick for you was josh parisian fourth you took grant dawson fifth you had Jin Frey, and finally you had Daniel Rodriguez. My first pick was Mario Batista. Second, I took Marina Rodriguez. Third, I took Johnny Munoz. Fourth pick for me was Derek Minner, an underdog two-point pick. Fifth pick for me was Tuggy Bekov, although I might just change that to Nate Manis for two points. And uh, my sixth pick was Romana Pascal, as also an underdog, just not big enough to score me two points. Nikolai, it should be interesting. I'm, I'm, I'm intrigued by a couple of these prospects, and... And I'm intrigued by the main and co-main event. I, I think those two will serve will serve some interesting shit as the lead up into UFC 281, where we get to see like the real high level big names, the, the the best fighters in the world at multiple weight divisions compete. I'm I'm always excited about that dynamic. And Poirier Chandler, man, I, I hope Poirier just like I hope Chandler's not a Poirier level fighter, and Poirier might just fight in a way that gives Chandler the highest chance. I hope he's smarter than that, man. I think his experience is smart enough at this point to let the trash talk and all that shit uh, go by the wayside. Well, uh, yeah, in two weeks we've got a banger. In the meantime, try to enjoy Rodriguez Lemos, and we'll be back uh, next week. Nick, I, I will absolutely enjoy it. I do want to do a, a shout-out, quick shout-out to Billy Connor, who, like, saw me, a listener of ours, who saw me on a, on a random uh, message board on, on Facebook, some kind of a MMA group, and like said, hey man, like I, I listened to your show, and like he's just really kind with his words. Billy, keep listening, brother. We need Stan him. got a fan. Stan got a fan. I'm we sure got a fan. Not well, Stan. We had, we had, well, you had the other fan that went out of their way to say it was an idiot, which Billy Connor feels the same. Is there any chance? Could that have been Billy Connor? Like, I think Billy sounds. Awesome.